Hi, I'm Connie, and this is From Chaos to Peace with Connie, where I explore, sometimes solo and often with a guest, how a few minutes a day can keep the chaos away. And with chaos, I'm talking about the physical, digital, social, financial, mental, emotional, and spiritual clutter that can accumulate in our life. Today, I fly solo, and I want to talk about a concept I learned in Brooke Castillo's Self-Coaching Scholars training. It's called the Motivational Triad, and it explains why your home and office is still cluttered, even though you're trying to change this for months or years already. Welcome, my friend, and thank you for allowing me back into your ears. How are you doing? This is episode number 87 from the From Chaos to Peace podcast, where you learn how a few minutes a day keep the chaos away. Before we dive in, I want to read the latest review I got for this podcast. Actually, I want to share two reviews. The first one comes from New Listener. He or she says, I love this podcast. Connie has such a way of connecting with her guests and audience, and it shines through with each episode. She covers such a wide range of topics that everyone can find something helpful. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, new listeners. I'm very happy to hear this. The second review I want to share is from Raisin, and she says, I love the way Connie explores life from all angles. We are a system and it's such a gift to hear wisdom on how to help ourselves with all the parts of us in mind. Well, thank you very much. And I thank anyone who leaves a review because this helps that more people find my podcast. And I love talking and connecting with my guests or putting together solo episodes like this one to inspire you to get you to think, and to hopefully get you to act, to take action. Well, today, I want to talk about the motivational triad, as I mentioned before. And I want to talk about this because I want to show you why you're doing what you're doing, or more likely not doing what you want to be doing, so you have more compassion and understanding for yourself. Because if you're doing things that you don't want to do, or you're wishing you could change your habits, or you're frustrated by your perceived lack of progress, and as a result, you're beating yourself up, I want you to stop. Stop beating yourself up and learn how your brain is wired and learn how to rewire it. And just that you know, I say this to you with all the love and compassion I have, and I know how hard it is, because my coach had to just tell me that last week. She had to tell me to stop beating myself up, to stop being so hard on myself, and to start taking control of myself with compassion and self-love. So know that you are not alone if you struggle with this. I'm right there with you. So. First, we need to understand we cannot make progress with self-criticism and beating ourselves up. Understanding why we're doing what we're doing, or often more likely not doing what we said we're going to do, will help us big time in having more compassion and self-love. That's why I wanted to tell you what I learned about our primitive brain and how it's wired so that you can stop beating yourself up for it and know that dealing with it differently is really doable. 
To do that, we need to flip the script on the outdated motivational triad. That's the way we're wired and how our brain is wired. If we want to change, make progress, we have to do the opposite of what our survival instincts tell us to do. What is the motivational triad, you might wonder? Well, thanks for asking. (laughs) The motivational triad are three principles. One, seek pleasure. Two, avoid pain. And three, be efficient. Animals and humans were all designed with these three principal motivations. They increase the odds of our survival over time. These three motivations have made sure that we were properly nourished, that we procreated, and they have helped us minimize and even avoid threats to our survival. They are very, very important and do a lot of good for us. But in our modern world, they can also keep us stuck. The motivational triad explains why many of us have such a hard time changing our habits or improving our life, stepping out of our comfort zone. One, first and foremost, our brain seeks pleasure, mainly short-term pleasure. That's why we eat that donut, even though we want to lose weight. Or we buy more stuff, even though we have already a full house of stuff. Or we're watching Netflix instead of tidying our home and office as we planned. The second part is our brain wants to avoid pain at all costs. Any pain, even healthy growing pain, or healthy pain of not giving in to sugar cravings, or feeling our negative emotions instead of going shopping. And third, our brain wants to be efficient. This is really a biggie because change uses up a lot of energy, but our brain wants to save energy. It tries to avoid any change in order to be efficient, staying efficient and saving energy by being in the familiar and established habits, the automated habits. And so we are staying stuck in autopilot, whether it serves us and our goals and intentions or not. We don't really need to concentrate on most of what we're doing during the day. Those are all automated habits. We don't have to think about how to brush our teeth. We even don't have to think how to drive our car. We just get in and drive because our brain is designed to be efficient. Our brain knows how to do it on autopilot. Now, when we were learning those things, we had to think about them a lot. We had to use a different part of our brain and it used up a lot of energy. But then... The more we practice, the less we had to think about it, the less energy our brain needed because pathways were created in our brain. That's what neuroscience is figuring out now more and more. So our brain is designed that once we learn something, the higher part of our brain can delegate it to the lower part of our brain, and then it gets put on repeat. It gets put on autopilot. This is efficiency in the brain. And thank God we have this. Just imagine you would have to think every time you need to brush your teeth. But now, of course, moving from chaos to peace, from a cluttered, messy, unsupportive environment to a clean, clutter-free and supportive environment would need a lot of thinking and effort, at least at first, and therefore a lot of energy. That's why the brain is not on board. Nope, not doing it. 
That's why our brain will not understand what you're trying to do and will fight you every step of the way. Because decluttering will bring up new experiences, which is very inefficient and scary for the brain. Maybe failures. We could throw out something and then regret it, for example, which is scary. Our brain wants to protect us from failures. Also, confusion could come up. I don't know if I want to keep this or letting it go. Confusion leads to not being able to decide, which uses up a lot of energy. Brain doesn't want to do that. Fear and doubt of letting things go, worrying we need them in the future, worrying we might regret this decision of letting it go. Another way how we would use a lot of energy, the brain doesn't want to do it. Brain thinks it's so much more efficient to just leave this all be and keep going the way we're going. Something else. Your primitive brain will always go to the past to find an answer. And chances are you've not been able to let go of clutter and to get organized before. So the primitive brain finds evidence of danger and inefficiency and therefore is freaking out, telling you you can't do it. Telling you, for example... You've never been organized. Your mother already called you a clutterbug. And this will hold you back every single time. This is mental clutter, by the way, that needs to be released and let go of. But that's some of the most difficult clutter to let go. Again, our brain wants to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and be efficient. And if we don't challenge that, guess what we're recreating? exactly what we have so far, or maybe even worse. But we also have a part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, that we can train to manage our primitive brain, like a loving parent that helps their child through a temper tantrum and to do the right things. (laughs) So how do we flip the script of the existing motivational triad? Remember, right now, the motivational triad is seeking pleasure, like going shopping for more stuff, avoiding pain, so not letting go of stuff that would create some anxiety, expend as little energy and effort as possible, so not doing anything, sitting maybe in front of Netflix or do anything else but decluttering. So the new triad has to be like this. One. Instead of seeking pleasure, we need to go for discomfort. What does this look like? Start choosing what you want in the long term over the pleasure you could experience in the short term. Give up immediate pleasure watching Netflix, for example, for 10 to 15 minutes of decluttering so that you can experience long-term pleasure. Expect your brain to complain and to whine and and to prefer you don't do it. But get ready to choose discomfort on purpose and then do it anyway. That's why 10 to 50 minutes are actually perfect. Second, you guess what number two is, no? (laughs) Instead of avoiding pain, we need to open up to pain. Our primitive brain associates fear with danger and that's creating pain. It genuinely is just trying to keep us safe. But there is no danger from decluttering and letting go of things other than not processing our challenging feelings or trying to avoid them. Sometimes we are afraid of the sentimental feelings that come up when decluttering. We're trying to avoid them and stuff them down. But what I'm asking you to do is to go ahead anyways. 
Be willing to feel those emotions and free yourself from the clutter that holds you back. Start with the low-hanging fruit, the things that you are less emotionally attached to, and you can practice with those. And then you train your decluttering muscle to then move forward to the little bit more challenging items. And thirdly, instead of trying to be so efficient, we need to recognize the value that comes from making an effort to live with intention. Our brains are capable of change and capable of new thoughts, capable of new feelings, and capable of new action patterns, new habits. We don't have to just keep recreating the things and experience from our past. That means we have to stop defining ourselves by who we were in the past, by those outdated thoughts and beliefs. Hello, mental clutter again. Because those beliefs aren't serving us anymore and we need to practice new thoughts, new beliefs. This means work, of course, and this is not efficient to the brain, especially not in the beginning, and it also needs a lot of energy. But we can do it. To do that, we can shift our perspective, and instead of finding evidence in the past, we can focus and look to the future. You need to create and focus on a strong vision of how you want your environment to be, what a supportive environment would mean to you, what organized means to you, and most importantly, how good it would feel, how much calmer and at peace you would be, and how much more productive and efficient you could do your work in your life and business. So eventually, your brain will be happy again, because you will be efficient again, and in a decluttered and supportive environment. <laughs> to do that, step one, figure out your why. Since Simon Sinek published his bestseller, Why, we all know how important the why is. Why you want to declutter and get organized? Ask yourself, what is your no matter what reason? What is your why? And you need a compelling one. I could think of a few good reasons. Want to hear them? <laughs> well, I'll tell you anyways. You want to reduce stress. Many studies confirm the correlation between clutter and stress. Another why could be you want to reduce overwhelm. Less stuff leads to more clarity and less overwhelm, which then, of course, leads again to less stress. You want to be healthier. Dust that collects around clutter has an effect on your health, on your lungs. Or another one for you want to be healthier is the correlation between clutter and body weight. You eat healthier in a clean and clutter-free kitchen, but also because you're not so stressed out and overwhelmed, you have a mental bandwidth to choose and prepare healthy foods. Science also shows us the correlation between clutter and weight. Often, people who have a lot of clutter are also overweight. Another why? You want to have more time, because less stuff actually really does mean more time. Less time of cleaning and organizing, more time for doing something you really want to do. Another why, you want to have more money. You can sell some of your stuff. <laughs> this gives you more money. Or by not having to buy stuff because you don't want to feel your feelings, you also save a lot of money. <laughs> and if you are like my clients, you find money in places that you declutter and you had no idea that there was money. <laughs> so there's also more money. And another why is you want to be more successful in your business. 
because a clutter-free, supportive environment helps you feel in control and confident. And so you show up differently for your clients, for your employees, and as a leader. You probably can find some more whys for yourself. Those are just some that came to my mind. I could not go on probably longer. You, I think you get the point. After you find your why, step two is to commit to your why. And a lot of people are not really committed. They just really like the idea of being organized and living a clutter-free life, but don't really want to do the work. But without a strong why and being committed, you might give up the minute it becomes a bit hard and the minute you are confused, the minute you worry that you could make a wrong decision. That's why the second step is to make a commitment to your why and a commitment that you're doing it, a commitment that you're showing up for yourself, a commitment that you're putting long-term success over short-term success. Long-term pleasure over short-term pleasure. That's where the intention rituals come in. I personally set my intentions every new moon, but it doesn't matter what day or date you choose, but it has to be more than just once a year, like your New Year's resolutions that you have forgotten by the beginning of February. Your New Year's resolutions or intentions for the year need to be supported by monthly intention reminder sessions and most likely daily reminders too. A ritual can be elaborate or pragmatic. Put your own spin to it, but make it meaningful for you, whatever that means. Commit to your why and then recommit to your why and intentions on a monthly basis, on a weekly basis, on, on a daily basis. And keep your why and intentions at the forefront daily, either by having post-it notes where you can see them, maybe in the bathroom, on the mirror, or on your computer. By reading it out loud in the morning, that's what I do, reading out loud my intentions in the morning, and maybe even reading them out loud at night. Remind your brain where you want to go and then take it by the hand. <laughs> and that leads us to the third step. And the third step is, of course, then making it happen, taking action. And here, of course, I suggest, as always, you embrace my a few minutes a day keeps the chaos away approach. It has so many advantages. Here, just to name a few. <laughs> a few minutes are not overwhelming and scary. So you have an easier time to take your scared brain on the hand and do it. Number two, we all can find 10 to 15 minutes a day in our calendar, even if we're busy. Number three, you don't need a lot of energy or willpower. You can just do it. You can override your brain and just do it. Number four, it's easier to convince the brain to do something uncomfortable for only 10 to 15 minutes than what most people try to do, which is blocking off hours or days, someday in the future, that never comes. Number five, instead of hoping for better times in the distant future, you move forward every single day a little bit and eventually gain momentum and make big progress. Number six, it is self-love. You are taking care of yourself and your health because decluttering reduces stress and overwhelm, remember? So by decluttering some, by creating a supportive environment, you're taking care of your health, which in turn is self-care and self-love. 
Number seven, it's a win-win process. As you are creating a new habit that will help you maintain a decluttered environment from now on, <laughs> forever, I would want to say, but of course, we're always tweaking and changing. But you're creating a habit that then, once you are decluttered, helps you maintain the clutter-free environment. Number eight, you will gain the 10 or 15 minutes back very quickly, and actually a lot more time, by not having to search for misplaced stuff. And a brain that is more focused now, that it doesn't have to filter out all the chaos around you. Because that's another study. Our brain has to work really hard to filter out the chaos around us so we can focus. So you're actually, by decluttering, helping your brain with number three, to be efficient and not waste energy. <laughs> number nine, less opportunities to beat yourself up. Because even if you haven't done your few minutes yesterday, for whatever reason, Nothing is lost. You can always continue today and do your 10 to 15 minutes again. And sometimes you may do more. Just take baby steps. And finally, number 10, you will see magic unfolding in front of you. Others will be inspired by you and what you're doing. This is what one of my clients right now experiences. The magic and that she gets admired by the people around her which makes her feel really good. Trust me. <laughs> so here is my challenge to you. Flip the script on this motivational triad by seeking discomfort on purpose. Know that it is the currency for the life that you want. And the life you want is on the other side of all that clutter. I promise you, this is the way to create what you want in life to create a clutter-free, supportive environment in your life and in your business and in your finances and in your mental and emotional world. And of course, this is what I help my clients with all day, every day as a clutter-clearing coach. There is so much more, but this is the foundation. If you want help with this, if you want to figure out how to rewire your brain, if you want to figure out how to flip the script on this motivational triad and finally create a sanctuary in your home and a supportive environment in your office and finances, then I want you to go to the show notes of this episode. They are at conigraph.com forward slash podcast forward slash 87. There you click the link schedule my clutter to clarity chat and then you fill out the form and let's see on the call how I can help you move from chaos to peace in all areas of your life. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next week. Thank you for joining me today and listening all the way to the end. Have a beautiful and amazing week and please subscribe so you never miss an episode. See you next week. Take good care and be safe.